Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Welcome to The Other Hand, a podcast brought to you by CJP Economics, a collaboration between Jim Power and Chris Johns, where we discuss the intersection between politics, finance, and economics. Our back catalogue of podcasts can be found at our Substack website, and that Substack site also contains our extensive body of written work. Thanks for listening and reading. If you like our work, please share with your friends and sign up to our newsletter. Hi, everyone. Uh, Chris here. I will be doing a solo podcast, the second one I've done, uh, because Jim is once again sunning himself on some foreign beach. Uh, I hope he's having a great time. As per last time, which surprisingly got quite a lot of listeners, uh, given that I think that we are a far more effective double act than just me prattling on by myself, um, I'm going to try and restrict it to roughly half our normal length. The topic of today unfortunately from me as a Brit, is very, very obvious. The utter chaos that is the British government, that is the British political system right now. Our Irish listeners will know, or at least some of them will of a certain age, the phrase gubu, which referred to a dark period in Irish political history of many years ago. And the second U is the only one letter in that acronym that could apply to the UK now. Um, Unbelievable. And I wouldn't compare the events that gave rise to Gubu all those years ago in Ireland to the ones in the UK. The ones in the UK are just far more grotesque, far more unbelievable, far more bizarre. So what's going on and what's my take on it? Well, as I speak, Liz Truss is still in power. It could well be that by the time this podcast is published in a few hours' time, that she won't be in power, that she will have either resigned or been pushed Uh, There are stories coming out of Westminster, as I'm recording this, that suggest that the men in grey suits are about to lead a delegation to tell her that the game is up. Just why they need to tell her that the game is up is part of this extraordinary mess, that she cannot work this out for herself, is just one 
small, extraordinary part of it all. This is a very complex phenomenon, the collapse into chaos of the British political system. And there is no one single glib, simple explanation as to why it has happened. Uh, I'll give you my sixpence worth and try to summarise what, as I say, is a very complex phenomenon. It goes back many years and has many, many drivers. A key one for me has been David Cameron, the then Prime Minister, calling a referendum for Brexit uh, in 2016 was when that referendum took place. And the reason he called that election was very, very simple. It was naked political expediency. It wasn't because anybody in the mainstream of British political or indeed personal life was calling for a referendum. The extreme lunatic wing of the Tory party had been banging on about Europe, in David Cameron's words, ever since oh, going back many decades to the Maastricht process, as it was called back then. And in order to try and stop the Tory infighting, to stop the Tories banging on about Europe, he called the referendum. This was not long after a 2015 general election, when he defeated the the then uh, Labour leader, Ed Miliband, now uh, an opposition frontbench spokesman, Um, And the uh, catchphrase, if you like, or the advertising slogan for the Tories back then was don't elect Ed Miliband, vote Tory, because otherwise you will get the chaos of a Labour government. That um, isn't even ironic, I don't think, given what we are seeing at the moment. Tonight I watched interviews with Tory MPs uh, in which they seemed on the verge of breaking down emotionally uh, from the lobby of the House of Commons uh, one uh, Tory MP was was speaking to um, a TV interviewer, and he seemed on the verge of tears to me. And he described his experience of being a long-standing backbench MP, never been in government, never been a minister, but had been essentially a loyal MP. And the party clearly is broken. The Conservative Party is broken. And it's both uh, what it means for the country at large, which, of course, is very serious, very significant. But also he mentioned what it means for conservative MPs. And he said, and this is quite a human thing, um, we may not have much sympathy for them, given that they are the ones that were part of this process that gave us this chaos. But he's saying that a lot of his colleagues are now, just like everybody else in the country, worried about their mortgages. And these people, these Tory backbench MPs, have particular worries because, obviously, they are concerned that they are about to lose their jobs. Brexit wasn't and isn't the only driver of of this. I mention it because it's a particular hobby horse of mine, and I guess one day I I need to calm down. But taking a step back from Brexit, to which I will inevitably return, one observation that I would make is that the UK is actually quite like the US in one key regard, and that's in terms of the measures that we economists make of income and wealth inequality. And it's not just about economic inequality, it's about social divides as well. And I've always thought that proper politics, proper politicians should really style themselves or or create policy platforms or, or indulge in dialogue and policy making about healing division, finding common ground, and persuading people of your views, appealing to our better natures, pointing out the benefits of cooperation rather than confrontation. That might all sound very aspirational, very apple pie-like, but at least 
pay lip service to that, even if you can't at times deliver it. We're always going to disagree. We're always going to um, have quite bitter disagreements about lots of things. But the job of the politician, at the very least, is not to widen those divisions. And politics, both in the US and the UK, I think, has most obviously been about widening divisions. Brexit was a big part of this, um, not the only part, but that was all about creating a political class that very much set themselves up as against one half of the country against another. Just as you've got in the United States, one half of the country, MAGA Republicans, Trump Republicans, against everybody else. In the UK, everything is seen through a Brexit lens these days, even what's going on at the moment. And going back to the economics of it, the country since um, the 2016 referendum has on a whole host of economic indicators essentially flatlined. Economic well-being has been very static, and for many people it's actually been, been falling. And that creates a very difficult atmosphere Uh, environment, economic environment for politicians to do the proper thing, which I just described. Um, And if you have a bunch of politicians who are actually doing the opposite, creating rather than healing division, exploiting it for their own political ends, then you're in for trouble, as indeed we are seeing at the moment. Uh, Paul Krugman, the Nobel Prize winning economist, had a wonderful article in the New York Times this week, and I'd recommend anybody go read it, where he, he basically asked the question, what on earth is going on in the UK? And he cited the work of a political scientist called Lee Druckmann. A couple of years ago, this guy polled social and economic attitudes in the the United States. But I think, and Krugman clearly thinks, that they have resonance for the UK as well. And they speak to these economic and social divisions that I'm talking about today. And at risk of grossly oversimplifying it, I want to tell you how Krugman and went about it because I think it, it, it conveys a lot of wisdom and a lot of insight. The simplification is there, and it inevitably is more complicated than this. But you can chart people on two separate axes, um, liberal and conservative. And on one axis, you'd have economic attitudes, whether you're a liberal economic person or whether you are conservative. And on the other axis, you can look at people's social attitudes, whether they are socially conservative or whether they are socially liberal. And if you are an economic liberal, um, but socially conservative, then you are probably somebody like Marine Le Pen. Um, You're Donald Trump when he's out campaigning. Uh, Donald Trump actually in in office was an economic conservative um, and so didn't represent the electorate that uh, put him into office. If you are economically liberal and socially liberal, you're probably a Democrat in the United States and you're probably a Labour person in the United Kingdom. But some conservatives, I think, in in the centre or the right wing of the Conservative Party, to the extent that they exist, um, would be in that box. But there's a box all on our own, which is the economically conservative, very conservative, to the point of being libertarian, and socially liberal. And that, funnily enough, is Liz Truss. And the thing about social and political attitudes, as people report them to pollsters, is that nobody else is in that box. She's very much on her own. Uh, Paul Krugman thinks that there are about 15 other people in the United States that are economically conservative and socially conservative. What often happens is that people um, mix themselves up with economic liberalism and social conservatism and uh, 
economic liberalism and social liberalism. It depends on your attitude towards, you know, all the usual things, gay marriage, um, whether or not you are woke, whether or not you are anti-woke, to use those horrible terms. And this is how people report themselves and how politicians should be positioning themselves to be elected, to appeal to them. The problem with Liz Truss is that she doesn't actually appeal to many people apart from those people on the very right wing of the Conservative Party, um, both in and out of Parliament, and they're in a tiny minority. And so that, I think, is a great insight into part of her problem in that in terms of her appeal to the country at large, her policies, both social and economic, carry no weight. Nobody actually wants them. Everybody else is in a different combination of social and economic beliefs, attitudes and, and desires. All very interesting stuff, and it explains, in a sense, why she's got herself into this particular mess. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It all started, of course, with um, the previous Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng's uh, mini budget of a few weeks ago, and that that has attracted a lot of attention, but probably too much attention. Actually, um, this this is more now of a political rather than an economic phenomena. After the Brexit referendum, people were told that the uh, country was divided, and that if you were a Brexit type person. The liberal elites in places like London and indeed the other cities of the United Kingdom were sneering at them, were doing all sorts of things that they weren't doing. And if you were a Remain voting Brexit type person, then you were sneered at by the uh, Leave faction called and labelled a Ramona and all sorts of other pejorative terms. You should see Dominic Cummings' blog and Twitter feed for his complete hatred, I would say, for anybody that is that thinks that Brexit was a bad idea. Brexit has contributed to all of this in a number of ways. The, the pure economics of it are that Brexit has damaged the British economy. Only the most ideological, blinkered economist, and there are unfortunately some of those, thankfully in a very small minority, who think that Brexit was good for the economy. 99.9% uh, of the economics profession agrees and we do agree on some things, that Brexit has been bad for the economy. We differ on how bad. Some economists liken it to a slow puncture. Other people think that it lies at the heart of most of Britain's ills. Uh, I tend towards the puncture idea in the sense of what it actually meant in practice. But the problem was was that the, uh, the vehicle the car, the, the, that had the tyre that was given the slow puncture wasn't in great condition to begin with. It's all very well chugging along in a Rolls Royce that is reasonably well equipped to get you to the garage if it has a slow puncture. But if it's an old jalopy whose engine is only firing on three cylinders, 
and all the rest of it, then it doesn't take much for you to end up on the roadside phoning the AA. And that's what's happened to the UK, I think, is that the Brexit has, has added to a list of other economic ills to produce that economic flatlining that I've mentioned since, since 2016. And what that means politically is that when an economy isn't growing, this trust went on about getting growth back, which, of course, is something we should all applaud. We, we like economic growth. But when it's flatlining, when there isn't any economic growth, what you end up with is lots of things. But politically, you end up people fighting even harder over sharing a cake that isn't growing. And that creates a whole bunch of toxic politics. And that's partly what we've got. The most important thing, though, apart from all of that economic stuff to do with, to do with Brexit, is that all of the promises that were made by the Brexit people have not come to pass. The Sunny Out plans just haven't been delivered. You might remember that a lot more money for the NHS was promised. People were promised higher wages. People were promised, believe it or not, lower energy bills and lower food prices as a result of Brexit and lots of other things. All sorts of nonsense was talked about what Brexit would deliver and it hasn't delivered. You've got a faction who say, well, just wait, it'll all come to pass, it'll all be all right in the end. They remind me very much of those Japanese soldiers that were found decades after the Second World War ended, found in the jungles of Pacific Islands, still prepared to carry on fighting. It's an absolute nonsense. The fundamental point is that life comes at you hard sometimes, and that if you continue to defy reality, to deny reality, this is what happens and reality is now biting these people very, very hard. Unfortunately, some people are still denying reality. Unlike those Japanese soldiers in the jungles of Pacific Islands, I think they're going to continue to deny reality forever. It's cult-like behavior, and this is what we've got. And there are glimmers that some people are beginning to realize that Brexit has been a disaster for the British economy, for British political and social life, but they're only glimmers. And we certainly would not expect any great reversal of Brexit-type policies, but I would hope that one of the things that would emerge from the ashes of this particular wreck is a more realistic attitude towards rebuilding relationships in some way, shape or form with Europe. It's going to take a long time. And indeed, who in Europe would trust any British government now, given what they're seeing and what they've experienced over the last few years. But it, it, it has to happen if Britain is to stand any chance of recovering, both politically and socially, from the mess that it is in. It has to accept reality. The whole point of recovery from addiction, from recovery from any tricky situation, is that you must recognise the reality that you're in and stop pretending, um, denying, that the situation is what it is and what has been causing it. And as I say, Brexit has been a big part of it. So I am not confident that there are enough people at the heart of government in, in Westminster who accept, accept this. As I say, there are glimmers, but um, I, I'm not holding my breath. The most likely outcome is perhaps this is the one that I desire rather than think is most likely because I've no idea what's going to happen next. Uh, but it seems to me that Britain needs a general election. If and when that happens, in, certainly in the immediate future, that will be a landslide Labour victory. And so everything will change again. And the question will arise, is Keir Starmer and his crew up to the task? 
Because one of the things, of course, we've realised about this Conservative government, for all of their ideological nonsense, for their Brexit nonsense, they're just not very good at what they do. As technocrats, they're just not very good at the business of day-to-day government, let alone the longer-term strategic stuff. The long-term strategic stuff, which was Brexit, has clearly proven that they are not strategic masters of, of, of their fate. Um, and the events in Westminster over the last few days reveal just on the day-to-day business of government, they are just utterly hopeless to lose uh, so many um, officials, so many people like the chief whip resigning today. The list is endless. The, the, the turnover, the revolving door is extraordinary. But it is a mess. It is absolute chaos. And to my friends in Ireland who are looking at this, um, don't underestimate just how bad it is. Don't think that anything particularly good is going to come out of this until we see them recognising the realities that they face instead of going into denial. And there are lots of those. The most important, you won't be surprised to hear from me, is that they start recognising the problems that Brexit has caused and then starting to do something about it. Whether that's a new Conservative Prime Minister or whether it's a Labour Prime Minister, whoever it is, until you see somebody actually breaking this big taboo of silence, which Keir Starmer is guilty of as well, and just simply not talking about Brexit, denying it even exists almost, certainly its consequences, then I really do fear for the future. The economic situation in Britain is going to be pretty dire over the next couple of years. I think there's going to be a property market crash. Um, and that, that I know is a forecast, and you've heard me talk about that before. I don't like making forecasts. And the economy is going to struggle. And people are going to be really hurt by higher than necessary inflation and higher than necessary interest rates and higher than necessary, and that's a horrible word actually in the context of the job market, but higher than it had to be in terms of job losses. Um, It's going to be really, really tricky in the UK. And therefore, the political consequences of that economic backdrop are very difficult to call. I know that there are some Tories who think it best let the Labour government at it now because the situation over the next few years is going to be so bad that that will actually set the scene for a Tory comeback. As I said, they're not very good strategists. So so if I was them, I wouldn't rely on that. But in their forecast, their expectation that it's going to be an absolute shit show in the UK for the next couple of years, economically speaking, at least, then I think they're right. And it's going to be very, very difficult. But in terms of seeing our way through this, I won't start to get more optimistic about the UK's ability to see its way through this to a better outcome to a better situation than it is in at the moment. They have to start recognising the reality of what they have done with Brexit. Thanks for listening. I hope that uh, things do get better for our British listeners. Like me, if you're living in the UK, this really isn't fun at all. Thanks a lot. You have been listening to Chris Johns and Jim Power on the other hand. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please sign up to our Substack account, www.cjpeconomics.substack.com. You can download our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and other good podcast platforms. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.